The FedLife podcast is presented by Serving Those Who Serve, a fiduciary fee-based financial planning firm serving federal government employees and retirees all over the country. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be taken as financial advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. The opinions expressed by our hosts are their own and do not reflect the views, policies, or position of either Raymond James or Serving Those Who Serve. Hello and welcome to this episode of the FedLife Podcast. As hopefully you know already, if you're a regular, I am Dan Seip. Additionally, I'm the branch manager here at Serving Those Who Serve and Lee Seip and Associates. I'm actually the founder of Serving Those Who Serve. If you're joining us for the first time, a very special welcome. And I will say thank you. First, for taking the time to listen, but even more importantly, thank you for your service to the government, to the country, to me, to everyone. You do not hear that enough. You will always hear it here. The guru, Ed Zerndorfer, is back with us once again as part of our ongoing mission to reach, teach, and serve you. And if you're regular, you are used to this. If you're not, bear with me. I need to say at the outset, the opinions of our guest, Ed Zerndorfer, not the opinions of Raymond James is serving those who serve. This podcast is presented for information only and is not meant to be taken as advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. And if you do not have a personal advisor, hit us up at stwserve.com. We will help you any way we can. So, Ed, we are jumping in, and this one's juicy. I'm excited about it. You wrote about the 10 misunderstandings and myths concerning Social Security. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you wrote this because in our planning practice, we see it all the time. And I'm assuming you do as well. Oh, that's one of the most often asked. I get so many questions about Social Security. There's so many misunderstandings among my clients about Social Security. And it's so important that we go through these misunderstandings. I consider it to be the 10 biggest misunderstandings and myths, for that matter, myths about Social Security. So uh, well, let's go. Let's get go. everything straightened out. Let's go bust some myths. Okay, so <clears throat> let's jump in with number one. That Social Security is going bankrupt in 10 to 15 years. Ah! You know, when I ask clients about the question, invariably, most individuals now are covered by Social Security. So I have somebody who's in, let's say, mid-career, they're getting close to 50, 55. And I asked them, have you thought about when you want to take Social Security? Has that ever crossed your mind? He said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I said, why not? Well, it won't be around by the time I'm eligible to take it. So why worry about it? I said, that's not acceptable. I am not accepting that. Yes, Social Security is having some problems, and they've had problems in the past. But, mm -hmm. Dan, yep. Congress has a way of fixing these problems. When did they fix? Most recent time they fixed it? 40 years ago. In 1983, there was a significant change in Social Security. Because there was this fear that as people live longer, I mean, it used to be, well, people are not going to live much past 65. So we don't have to sure. worry about Social Security being going bankrupt. Plus the fact there were a lot more people putting money into Social Security via the FICA tax back then. And Social Security was, you know, in the 60s and 70s compared to the number of people taking money out. Well, now it's just the opposite. We're getting fewer people are putting money in, but more and more people are taking money out. The baby boomers are taking money out. So sure. what I like to say that, like I said, Congress has a way of fixing it. I just want to go through a few things that I mentioned in that column. 
uh, that about the pay, that I've mentioned about the payroll taxes. But let's keep in mind that Social Security will continue to collect tax revenue. Individuals will keep on working. Even individuals, Dan, who are collecting it are working. Like myself, I'm self-employed. I started taking my Social Security uh, two years ago when I turned 70. I'm continuing to work. I have every intention to continue working. I'm receiving a Social Security check every month, and I'm also paying payroll taxes, the Social Security payroll tax every year. So again, once again, the payroll taxes will be collected. And I have to say this, that the FICA tax, that's the Federal Insurance Contribution Act, that's what an, that's what an employee pays and matched by their employer, currently 6.2% of their wages up to what's called the maximum wage base. This year, it's 160200 That FICA tax, Dan, the 6.2% rate, do you know how long that's been in effect? 75 years? No, not that quite. 30 years. 30 years. They have not, Congress has not raised that tax in 30 years. It has to go up. It has to go up. Okay. That's one going to be one possible solution to bring in more revenue. The other consideration is the fact that one can take their Social Security as early as age 62. We're going to talk more about that later. And the longer they wait to take their Social Security until age 70, the more they're going to get. When you take your social security right. at age 70, you get the maximum amount. But that being said, that the earliest you can get a full social security check, because if you take it, your social security at 62, your social security benefit is going to be permanently reduced. You have yep. to wait to what's called your full retirement age. What is full retirement age? Depends what year you were born. Most people now, their full retirement age is between age 66 and 67. 67. If you were born after 1960, after born after 1959, your full retirement age is 67. That being said, that if you take your Social Security at age 62 and your full retirement age is 67, you're going to be subject to a 30% reduction. Ouch. What probably will happen, one of the fixes considered here, is to raise that full retirement age. Once again, it has not been raised in 40 years. My guess is it's going to go up to age 69. 69, it's going to be full retirement age, and it will not apply to just anybody. It'll apply to individuals born after 1990. That's my guess. That's my guess. That's so my you think guess. they'll move the you think they'll move the age 70 at all? Then it's going to be this wide. Yeah. Again, if they keep that, keep you know, the, at age 70, it doesn't make any difference if you're waiting longer. You're going to get the same amount. People who wait till 69. If they wait another year, they'll get that 8% bump in their benefit. But either right. way, here's the point. You still will be allowed to take Social Security at age 62. But right. the penalty, the reduction will be if you're forward time at age 69, you're probably going to have a 40 to 45% reduction for the rest of your life. Ouch. So that's going to be, wow. that's going to be another possible fix here. I'm confident, Dan, Congress will do something. They have to. They can't. Afford, they cannot afford for Social Security to go bankrupt because, unfortunately, Agreed. and this is an important point, that some people think, well, Social Security is my retirement. Social Security was never designed to be one's sole retirement. It's there to supplement your other sources of retirement, like federal employees. What do they have for their retirement? They're getting either a CSRS or FERS annuity. They participate in the TSP. They're encouraged to put money into individual retirement accounts, IRAs. 
And the fact is that their FERS or CSRS annuity and their TSB will be the bulk of their retirement income. And the Social Security, in my opinion, was I call the icing on the cake. Gotcha. Gotcha. Boy, that's that's great history and good insights, Ed. Let's press on because we also run into your number two point a lot in our planning, and that is that, and you've already covered it, oh, Social Security's full retirement age is 65. It hasn't been that way for a long time, as you just told us. Put it to you this way, Dan. If you were born before 1938, yes, it is the full retirement age is 65. But Congress, when they overhauled Social Security back in um, 1983, they gradually raised the full retirement age for people yep. born in 1938 and later. So, for example, if you're born in 1938, your full retirement age is 65 years and two months. Got it. Between 1943 and 1955, your full retirement age is 66. Then if you're born in 1955, 66 years and two months. If you're born in 1956, I happen to know somebody who was born in 1956. Your full retirement age is 66 years and four months. By the gotcha. time you get to age, if you're born in 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. So that's important to keep in mind. Full retirement no. age is not 65 if you're born any time after 1937. Yep. This next one surprised me a little bit. And number three, it impacts our military folks. And there's a myth out there that says they can't have their military pension and Social Security. Oh, this disturbs me. When I hear this, sure. thing, military retirees, for all putting their life on the line all those years, putting on active duty, being told, well, you, if you serve 20 years of active duty, 20 or 20 more years of active duty, if you're a reservist, you know, you have a minimum 20 years of reserve duty. Uh, when you collect your military retirement check, you cannot collect Social Security or your Social Security is going to be reduced. Nothing can mm. be further from the truth. Let's clear it up. You can collect a full military pension that you earned. You can collect a full Social Security check that you earned with no offsets whatsoever. That doesn't exist. Let's clear up that misunderstanding. Yep. Uh, number four, you run into it. I run into it because we're Fed guys. We've both been Fed guys for a long time. And that has to do with our CSRS retirees and the misconception that, oh, I can't ever get any Social Security. So I know someone who happens to be a CSRS retirement retiree. That's, so you're talking so let's the disabuse them of that myth. Let's clear up that misunderstanding that if you are a CSRS annuitant, and I have to add something to that, Dan, the windfall elimination provision, which reduces a CSRS annuitant Social Security benefit like mine, also applies to any government employee whether it's state, local, city, who is who has a pension in which they didn't pay into Social Security. And there are such ones. I'll give you an example. The state, uh, of, the state of Ohio, Texas, California, state workers sure. there. We're talking about teachers, police officers, firefighters who work to the state, get a state pension. They are affected by the windfall elimination mission. What the WEP is, the WEP, it is a reduction of one Social Security. It is not an elimination. Gotcha. My Social Security is being reduced about 40% because I didn't pay into Social Security my entire life. 
I always tell when we do the webinars on, on Social Security, again, I have to make a, make a pitch here, Dan, for our webinars. Yep. We do a, a Social Security webinar every second month. And I always say, you can call me old, you can call me crazy, you can call me stupid. But I think that the windfall relation provision law, which took effect in 1985, is a good law. Because gotcha. it's not fair for a person like myself who didn't pay into Social Security his entire life to get the same amount of a benefit compared to somebody who paid into their into Social Security their entire lives. Like FERS employees. Many sure. of them work in private industry, paying to Social Security. They're under first they're under FERS. They're paying to Social Security. They they retire from federal service. They go back to private industry, paying to Social Security. They had an entire life of Social Security. It's yep. in my opinion, it's a good law. But once again, Dan, it's a reduction. It's not an elimination. Yep. Number five is the juicy one. You've already touched on it a little bit. It's always better to start collecting Social Security benefits as early as possible. You say not so fast, right? Yeah, I always say the answer is, the answer to the question is, what, what, what should I take my Social Security as early as age 62? I give it a definite, unqualified, no questions asked. It all depends. Yep. What are some of the factors here that would prompt somebody to take Social Security as early as possible? One, they need the income. They got to pay their sure. bills. They pay. They got to pay their bills. Let me give you an example of that. Back during the Great Recession, between 2008 and 2010, which really affected workers in manufacturing, they got clobbered during the Great Recession. They lost their jobs. Some of the workers were in their early 60s. They had no intention to take Social Security. They wanted to continue to work. They wanted to continue to work, but they lost their jobs. They had no much of a, any retirement savings, they were forced to take Social Security as early as possible, age 62. Why? To pay their bills. To pay their bills. So that's one yep. fact. Another sure. factor is you're not in good health. Absolutely. I mean, the, actuarials, the, the, actu the actuaries will say that generally if you don't expect to live to that ripe old age, what is that ripe old age? Let's say past 78, 80. Maybe it would be a good idea to take one Social Security as early as possible. No, I would agree with that. You know, you have to factor that in too. Boy, I'll tell you, as I read your article, I got to number six and I was ready to go find a TV to shout at because I think we can blame, you know, some inaccurate statements, whether it be media or politics or that type of thing for this next one. And that is Social Security is a retirement savings account. I'll repeat what I said a few moments ago. Social Security was never designed to be a retirement plan. Let's use gotcha. the word correctly. Let's use it. Let's make sure we're clear on something. Social Security was there to supplement one's sources of retirement income, to supplement your other sources of retirement income, I should say. So when I think of a retirement plan, I think about you contribute to it, your employer matches it. Okay, gives matching like the TSP. You get some tax benefits by by contributing to it. If you do and all the the pre-tax, or you get you get tax benefits on the end like the Roth with the Roth, with the Roth mm -hmm. TSP. But Social Security doesn't give you any tax benefits. Sure, there's no tax benefits. Um, and it's your individual record, but not your individual account. Okay, the money's pooled. It's all pulled. It's all pulled. Yep. So that, sure. that, that's very inaccurate. It's, ne it's not considered to be a retirement savings account. Yep. And oh, <laughs> this next one makes me chuckle. 
because I know you run it. I do too. And it's always a surprise when somebody hits this. And that is that social security benefits are not taxable. Eh, not so fast. Clock, if we turn back the clock, Dan, 40 years, that's right. In 1983, in 1983, when social security was overhauled, I think the Reagan administration and Congress decided that one of the ways to raise revenue from Social Security to save the trust fund is to start taxing it. And they were very clear about the fact they didn't want to tax, they didn't want to tax all Social Security recipients. They only wanted to tax Social Security recipients who had a certain amount of income. Sure. And they start off at 50% of Social Security benefits that someone received. 50% of it would be added to their other income and taxed, or if they were above a certain level, the income level, it's called the provisional income, then 85% of their Social Security benefits will be added to their income and tax, whatever tax bracket. Gotcha. Only one problem, Dan, is the fact that those income limits that they set in 1983 have not been changed in 40 years. They have not been adjusted for inflation. <laughs> So, but Ed, there there wasn't any inflation until 2021. <laughs> really? Yeah. What happened during uh, the 80s? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, boy, number eight. You know, I haven't bounced off this one yet. I got to admit, but I can see where it would happen, and that is that if there's a former spouse claiming on the other former spouses. Social Security record that is going to be taken from that spouse's money. So you've run into that, I take it. Boy, do I run into it. In fact, I was doing a seminar when we were, I was doing seminars one time. And when uh, I mentioned the fact that if you get divorced and you're soon to be ex spouse, the Social Security is a lot less than yours. Your ex spouse, assuming you've been married for at least 10 years, after you've been divorced two years, your former spouse has rights to half of your social security. And the reaction was, it's going to take away from mine? He says, no. But then the person said, I don't want my ex-spouse to get anything of mine. I think I'm going to put into my divorce decree that my ex-spouse is not going to get anything. He was such, he's such a bum, never worked. And here, I've been working my tail off all these years, took care of, basically cared for the household and so on. He did nothing. All he did would go, would go out, go to ball games, drink, and was a total bum. I don't want Got that it. person. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your former spouse has rights to your Social Security. And there also, Dan, there is no limit as far as how many former spouses can draw on another spouse. No limit. Really? Wow. Yes. I did not know that. Did not A know that. could be married five times. <clears throat> they got to wow. be married to the person for at least 10 years. So, 10 it. years. At least 10 years. Got it. Wow. Okay. So number nine. I can see where folks slam into this where they don't know the rules, and it's not easy to know the rules. And that is that when Social Security benefits are reduced because of earned income, so for example, somebody's claiming early and still working, that that reduction is for life. That's not correct, right? That's not true. They will get that money. They will get that money that Social Security took back. Their benefit, and that's what happens when you violate the so-called earnings test. Social Security reduces your benefit for that year, for the sure. for following year. But then when you reach your full retirement age, if you're still working, 
and so and you still and at that point you can draw your benefits and not have to worry about the earnings test. That money comes back to you. It's not permanently yep. lost. It's permanently lost. And it's um, it's amortized over their life, correct? Ed? They're not exactly. gonna they're not gonna have a lump sum check that that comes to them at sixty seven, exactly. for example. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And our final myth is that Social Security benefits are calculated based upon an individual's specific period of employment. So, so walk us through what's wrong with that myth. The way Social Security calculates benefits every year, Dan, every year they do this. Everybody's benefits are being recalculated, especially people who are working. They're looking at your 35 highest years of Social Security earnings. Not, gotcha. wage, not wages. We're talking about Social Security earnings. If one looks on their W-2 statement, and you get a W-2 statement. Anybody who works gets a W-2 statement in January for the previous year. Box number three on the W-2 says Social Security wages. A copy of your W-2 statement is sent to the Social Security Administration every year. And Social Security looks at all the years that you've been working, looking at those Social Security wages. And what they do is they pick out the 35 highest years of earnings, indexed to inflation, by the way. Because what you earned back in, let's say, 35 years ago in 1988, has been eroded by inflation. So what they do is they index that by what's called wage inflation for wage inflation and bring it up to 2000 let's year this year $2023 and then what they do is they compute something called the average indexed monthly earnings from which they compute your benefits. So they are but they're picking out the 35 highest years of earnings no matter when they occurred. It doesn't have to be consecutive. Suppose somebody doesn't have 35 years of Social Security wages. Maybe, let's say they're in their late 40s. They haven't worked for 35 years. They don't have wages. Social Security will take out the zeros, will include the zeros. But then as they continue to work, those zeros are replaced by positive wages, and that will increase their average index (laughs) monthly earnings. Also, and this is interesting, that let's say you are drawing Social Security, like myself. Right. And believe me, I had a lot of zeros when I was under CSRS. I didn't pay the Social Security. My yep. my box three on my W two statement said for all the years I was under CRS, uh, I was under CSRS zero. So when I was let's say in my late fifties and so on, Social Security was coming my benefits. It was next to nothing. But then gotcha. when I started my business, I'm self-employed. I started adding some positive numbers. And I had enough, obviously, by the time I reached 870, I had enough to get a, a you know, a decent amount of Social Security, reduced by the web, by the way. Yep, um, got it. But now I'm continuing to work. I'm continually working. So what is Social Security doing every year? Those zeros way back when are being replaced by my now Net self-employment income. My benefits go up. And by the way, they go up retroactively. What do I mean by that? For the last two years, Dan, in October, I get a letter from Social Security. We have recomputed your benefits for this year based on the fact that we saw on your taxes from Schedule SE, 
that you had positive wages. So we're going to replace the zeros you had way back when, and we're going to give you an increase in your benefits retroactive to the beginning of the year. It happens every October. I expect to get another $150 a month to, starting in, you know, this coming October. They're going to send me a notice. I approximately it's going to be another $150 a month retroactive to this past January. Well, I got some routine to work. So nice. How can you lose, Dan? You can't the lose. Only you lose the only way you lose if you don't play. That's right. So, well, Brother Ed, you did it again. You took some pretty complicated myths and made them super simple. This was a huge article and very important. So thank you, sir. As I always do, I thank you for what you do for the federal community at large and for us here at Serving There to Serve, especially how you raise the, the knowledge level for us. And uh, we're very grateful for that. And folks, that is a wrap. We'll see you all, and you can actually see us now at the next podcast. We are serving those who serve. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on our YouTube channel and Spotify. Please remember to share it with your friends and strangers. Check us out on Twitter and LinkedIn. And do not forget the live webinars every single week. Just go to swserve.com. You will see the webinar button at the top. Go ahead and click it, and it'll take you to the menu. Sign up for one. Sign up for all. The guru will come to you. You can watch them online in your bunny slippers. It's great. So share the page with your friends. They will thank you. Be sure to read Ed every week in the Fed Zone. That's fed-zone.com. And don't forget to sign up for weekly serving so Ed and the rest of the Fed stars come straight to you in your inbox. So for Ed, the crew at Serving There's a Serve, and me, Dan Seip, I say, as I always do, good luck, Godspeed, and above all, remember, it's your Fed life. Make it a great one because you deserve it. Stay well, everybody. We are out.